All right. All right. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me again on the uh, the Bow Hunting Soul podcast. Um, today we got another special guest on. Uh, you probably heard him on. Uh, you know, he, he's everywhere. They're everywhere. His name is Greg Godfrey from uh, Tethered, and uh, he was kind enough to make time this after or this evening actually. Uh, to uh, come spend a little bit of time with us uh, on the podcast. So uh, thanks for coming on, Greg. Absolutely. I appreciate the opportunity. Anytime I can talk saddle hunting, it's a good day. Right. Now, um, for those who are probably, at least in the hunting or bow hunting world, who've been living in a cave, you know, who haven't heard, uh, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, your history and, and your business partner in Tethered? Absolutely. So, um... I am an active duty Army soldier, and uh, last year, uh, me and a good buddy of mine, Ernie Power, we decided to launch Tether, which is kind of the first, you know, for saddle hunters, by saddle hunters uh, hunting company. Um, and I'm actually still in the Army, but we, we launched Tethered, and it's growing really fast, and um, it's we're having a blast, and it's it's really helping a lot of hunters out. You know, I've been saddle hunting for a long time, but we just felt like there wasn't anyone that was building stuff exactly like we wanted. And there was a lot of guys that were having to buy this and that from, from Craigslist or eBay or find it in classifieds on, online somewhere and hack together some, some products, and so we decided to tackle that, and it's been a fun ride so far yeah it has and i uh, actually recently i think friended you and uh ernie on facebook and i noticed that ernie is is he is he out of minnesota here is he out of jordan or is that yeah, where you guys are making jordan. it he's right around the corner from you yeah he's literally 15 minutes away so any chance yeah. i can pop down there and just get ahead of the queue for uh for my mantis that's on order <laughs> yeah you, <laughs> no? you should drop in and tell him <laughs> We probably hunt in the same, uh, the same, uh, you know, public land down here. There's plenty of public land, you know, but, um, yeah, no, that, that's, <clears throat> that's really cool. Now for, um, for me, for the, for the, you know, for the audience that doesn't know, you know, this is going to be my first year saddle hunting. Um, I recently sold my, uh, my XOP Vanish. Uh, I was never enamored with that stand in the first place. Um, you know, it's, it, it, it just, uh, I've never been in a lone wolf, you know, but it just didn't grip the tree right and things like that. And I thought, well, you know, if I'm not hundred percent happy with it, uh, you know, I, I kind of hemmed and hawed about trying to, you know, switch to the saddle hunting route. And, um, I actually pulled the trigger on this one several months ago before the huge influx of orders in the long line, uh, started. And, um, and then I, I, and then I, I, for some reason I, I, scared myself into like not, not doing it and I canceled the order the same day. I'm like, no, I'm going to stick with it. I'm kind of kicking myself because uh, I might be, you know, a, a long ways ahead of the head of the game here as far as like you know, the, the wait times and stuff. But, um, so anyway, I, I did recently, you know, reorder that <clears throat> and I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to give it a shot. Um, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm tired of carrying around this, the, the stand, you know, behind my back. Um, I got all this paraphernalia that goes on to it, and it's got to go on in a certain way, and it's got to get, you know, strapped on a certain way and carried in, and this and that. And I never felt like 100% secure in the tree anyway. No matter what I did, you know, you can cam lock the stand and this and that. And I thought, well, why not? Because it can't feel any worse in a saddle. Is that is that is that kind of one of the reasons that led you to that, or was it was it bulk? Is it did you feel safer? Well, it's it's a little bit of all the above. I mean, you hit you addressed a lot of the reasons why so many hunters are kind of moving away from traditional hang on tree stands. Now, me myself, I was never a 
hanging hunt guy with a lock on tree stand like a lone wolf or an XOP. Right. I hunted mobile a lot, but it was always with a climbing tree stand. Um, I had a big, uh, heavy, bulky, clunky, loud API mm -hmm. Grand Slam, which is a phenomenally comfortable stand. Um, it works great on uh, telephone pole straight trees with right. no or very few limbs and in places where you don't need to go very deep or be incredibly quiet. Now, if you really, really took your time and cr climbed incredibly slow, you could be fairly quiet, but, uh, I mean, you have to really, really work at it. So there was all these cons to to that style of hunting for me. Now, I mean, it worked fine because I didn't know if there was any other options. Uh, it's kind of like when you don't realize that there's a whole different set of circumstances that can make you more efficient and lighter. Right. You, know, you, you don't know what you don't know. And it was back, you know, about 10 years ago, 2009, when I discovered saddle hunting, I was uh, stationed in Fort Carson, Colorado, and uh, I'm from the East Coast. Uh, grew up whitetail hunting in Florida and in the southeast. And so I tried to tame the Rocky Mountains with my eastern whitetail tactics right. with a climbing tree stand, and it, it just didn't work. It didn't work. There weren't straight trees. The trees were all wonky with big branches, big cottonwood trees. They were giant. Mm. Um, and there was just all these things that didn't really work that great with the traditional uh, climbing tree stand. So that's when I found... Uh, a saddle, a tree saddle, and I started to learn the system. And ever since then, you know, about 10 years ago now, I've been tweaking the system ever since. And when you're talking about reducing bulk, reducing weight, uh, and, and a really simple system without a whole bunch of cam locks and levers and straps and all that stuff, uh, it, gets, it gets to the point where a saddle really checks all the blocks. Yeah, um, when, when you were talking about the, the the climber, you know, I mean, I, I've had a climber too, and, you know, I had a nice Summit aluminum one, you know, I mean, super comfy, but man, I mean, you, you look at someone with one of those on their back in profile, I mean, it looks like they've got like a Volkswagen Beetle on their back, you know, I mean, it's just so, you know, or, or like, or they're carrying like a, like a, like a dome tent or something, you know, it's just, it's just so big, and there's, there's, there's just no way, no real good way to kind of go into some of the you know the deeper areas i mean unless you're walking on like a perfectly straight groomed trail you know and if that works for you that's fine you know but you know i'm I, i'm doing you know stuff like you know never going to compare myself to like dan infault but i mean i'd like to think that i'm trying to use some of those kind of tactics where you're going in a little bit deeper super heavy brush swampy marsh you know stuff where you're literally like wading through um, you know, cattails and things like that to get the places. And it, man, anything that big hanging off your back just doesn't work. And, um, you also said the weight difference compared to, um, let's say even like a lightweight, like, uh, like a run and gun tree stand, like an XOP or a lone wolf. Um, you know, when, when it's all up and, and, and weighed, um, the, the XOP and you, know, for me with like, you know, four Hawk helium sticks, and you know all in all the you know ropes and all this and that was i've oh, got it's got to be close to 30 pounds 30 35 pounds you know and i already say that i pack like a girl in my backpack so my backpack already weighs a ton you know so anything i can do to reduce um to reduce that 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 works out great so how much does let's say the mantis uh you know we're not we're talking you know you know t tethered products here today but i mean there's a, there's other uh um 
uh, saddles that have been on the market. But, I mean, in general, I mean, how, how much are we talking in weight savings here? Well, you're talking if you're – it's difficult when you start throwing in climbing methods because so many people do so many mm-hmm. different things. Uh, like you said, the hot, you've got a hot helium stick. So mm-hmm. Some people take those and cut them down. Some people use bolts where they're legal or climbing yeah. spurs. I want to uh, get into that too, what you said about cutting down, so I don't want to interrupt you, but yeah, I want to get back to that. Go ahead. Yeah, and, um, you know, so it's, it's difficult to, to compare apples to apples when you have all these variables, but the thing that I kind of like to, to draw people back towards is, you know, you can compare a stand, like your, your traditional lightweight stand. Do you know off the top of your head how much your XOP vanish weighed, just the stand? Just the stand. Um, it actually weighed about, I can't remember if it's 13 and a half or 14 pounds it's it was a few pounds heavier than what they listed and then after a few years yeah, they actually so that's changed, pretty normal yeah they changed it on the website to be realistic like oh yeah by the way this is with straps that you actually i mean i mean who the hell lists it without the, the weight of you know what you actually need to put it on the damn tree you know what i mean but yeah it's about 14 well, that's pounds. what everyone does right. everyone lists it without you know the the necessary equipment mm-hmm. you know yeah sure a tree stand would be great if if you could just put it on a branch or something and sit there and, yeah you know uh, i used to, to uh, strap it or anything like that it, it reminds me just a little side tangent it reminds me I, I used to ride motorcycles now that i have a kid i don't but you know if like a sport bike you know they i maybe they, they still do this they they measure like the the empty weight you know or, or whatever of like a, the latest like 600 cc sport bike right and but that's with like no oil no fluids no you know no water no coolant no i mean it's like everything you need but you can't run the thing you know it's just it's just ridiculous but you know right so you're talking you know so let's just use your example since it's it's an easy one yeah. i mean the xop vanish which isn't the most lightweight tree stand that's out there but it's mm-hmm. certainly not the heaviest either it's kind of yeah. like in that that low to mid-range level of when you're talking weight that mm-hmm. 13 to 15 pounds seems to be kind of like the sweet spot for most of those mobile tree stands and and when you're comparing that to a saddle you're talking 15 ounces if you go with a product like the, the mantis 15 right. to 17 ounces depending on your size which mm-hmm. is the most ultralight one there is then you got to throw in some ropes and everything which are another couple of pounds and by the time it's all said and done, you're probably up there around the four to five pound mark, depending on what you're doing for a platform, right. uh, et cetera. So, so five pounds on the high end versus like uh, a 15 pound tree stand. So it's quite a bit when you're talking about weight reduction. And the other big thing that I always like to point out, that people like to focus on weight, but sometimes even more important than weight can be bulk. I mean, that stupid tree stand hanging off your back, it's yeah. hitting branches, it's getting hung up on twigs. When you're pulling it up the tree or, you know, after you've climbed the tree and now you're pulling the stand up to hang it on the tree, you're trying to bang it on your, your sticks or your ladder. Or if you hike it with it on your back and you climb the tree with it on your back, now you got to hang there, mm-hmm. pull the thing off mm-hmm. your back, hold it up with one arm. It's just, it's kind of a nightmare. And reducing all of that to go with the saddle is... You know, it makes a lot of sense for some people, and I, I don't mean to sound like I don't think, you know, that I don't think anyone should hunt with a tree stand because it certainly works in a lot of scenarios for a lot of people. People have been very successful for many, many years in a tree stand, so I don't want to be accused of, of saying that they don't work because they absolutely do, but for the guy that's looking to reduce weight, reduce bulk, and have the most efficient system possible, well, 
then at least a saddle should be considered. And they should look at it as a you know another tool in the toolkit for being the most effective deer hunter that they can be. Yeah, absolutely. And and one of the things for me was um, you know not necessarily packing in, but at at the end of the night, you know, so you're doing an evening sit. Um, it, a lot of times with the tree stand and I mean, it has to be packed a certain way. I mean, we, we all, we've all gone through this. It's got to be packed a certain way. Your sticks have to be packed a certain way. You got to put this bungee over here and exactly strap it this way and put this bungee over here and strap it that way and get your sticks on and then figure out how to get your backpack on and this and that. And you've got like 50 different things like kind of flinging around on, on the, at the base of the tree that you can't find in the dark. I mean, it was, it, it, it's even, to, to me, that was even more, you know, a, a bigger hassle than, than walking in with it. Because walking in, it's daylight, right? Or unless it's in the morning or whatever, I suppose. But um, it's just, I, I just wanted to, you know, eliminate that kind of stuff. And when I started looking at saddle hunting, um, you know, the, the, the first go round before I convinced myself to not buy it for some reason, but the first time, I, you know, then, then I started listening to, I guess I had questions and some other people that were naysayers of saddle hunting in general, they're like, well, you know, what's really the difference, you know, other than just the weight of the tree stand, you know, you still got to have a lineman's belt and you still got to have the, you know, a climbing method and you still got a blah, 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 and a, and a, and a, and a, and a platform and this and that. And I thought, yeah, yeah, they're right. You know, what, what, you know, what am I giving up here? You know, but then when I started looking into it way more, I'm like, wait a minute, you know, there are different options for, for climbing methods. And some of those options, like let's say like the wild edge steps, for example, you can climb with those things and you can put them, you know, a few of them at the top as your platform. You can stand on them and climb on them. Um, for me, um, I recently got the, um, um, what is it? The, the art, the, what is it, artisan outdoors one that, uh, the, the bolt, the, it's like a top kind of step that bolts to your, you know, hawk helium or lone wolf or whatever. So oh little, yeah, that's cool. I saw those on Facebook. Yeah, um, it, it's um, it, it, it's pretty good. It, 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 I haven't had a chance to test any of this stuff out, but it bolted right up. You know, it's sitting on there. So, so yeah, I mean, yeah, you do need you do need to still carry a climbing method. You know, those wash each other out. You still need to you know have a lineman's belt that washes each other out. And maybe if you're going to use like the platform like yours, like the Predator, you know, they're like, well, that's like a little mini tree stand. What's the difference? Well, I don't think people realize how small that thing is and how compact it is. Correct. Yeah, how, how easy it is to set up. I yeah. mean, there's no comparison in setting up a Predator versus setting up a traditional hang-on tree stand. I mean, that's a totally different week. That's like the that's like T-ball versus the pros. <laughs> it's totally different. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it, it, it's, I mean, like all of that stuff can go into a backpack. And it's a backpack that I'm taking in anyway you know and you know you can wear your saddle in and and, and that kind of stuff so you know right. obviously you know this is this is pretty um um you know th this stuff i guess you i think you need to see some of it firsthand or at least like the youtube videos are helping a, a lot because the more the more of those that people watch like oh yeah okay now i see how quickly this person was able to get into this tree and how quiet it is and it really is a difference from the tree stand and again for me one of the biggest deciding factors was i've never been able to not to, to, to have um the tree stand lock you know cam lock perfectly stable you know to the tree you know no matter how much you know i do you know you know you lift it up with your toe and you push down on your knee and you cam lock it down i've I, it's still kind of in some trees it it would, it would wobble for me and i was never um you know i was never 100 percent like happy or, or secure up there you know now, leading leading from from that, why don't you talk about 
you know, the difference between what happens, let's say, if you fall from a tree stand versus you're hanging in a saddle? Well, that's one of the things that I always like to point out is the difference in, in, in how they were designed. So with a tree stand, hopefully, hopefully you're up there in a tree stand wearing a safety harness, hopefully, right. which I know a lot of people that hunt from tree stands that don't wear a safety harness. I do well, too, and it just gets, yeah, it bothers me. <laughs> That's right. So, so there, right then and there, there's a there's a difference right there. So, first of all, you know, it's like you talked about. Sometimes you're walking in in the dark in the early morning hours before dawn, and you got you know quarter of your way to your spot where you're going to be. You're half a mile from the truck, and you reach around and you realize you forgot your safety harness with the tree stand. Now, what are most guys going to do? They're going to be like, okay. This isn't good, but I'm not going to walk all the way back to the spot, back to my truck, and ruin my whole hunt uh-huh. just because I, I forgot my safety harness. I'll be okay. I'll just be really careful, and I'll be okay just this once. Well, yeah. that's when you slip. You, you know, it just it's not good. With the saddle, you don't have that option. If you forget the saddle at the trunk, you're hunting on the ground. You know, you can't. Right. There's no, there's no leaving your safety harness back at the truck. That's one major difference. Right second major difference is that uh, the way that you fall is completely different. So worst case scenario happens, you're sitting in a tree stand, you go to stand up and turn around and look behind you, you slip and you fall. Now that tree stand safety harness is is designed to catch your fall. So you may fall six inches, you may fall two or three feet, depending on, you know, where you put your tether on the tree that connects to your safety harness, how much slack you have in the system, et cetera. So now you've got that variable of, you know, what happens when it catches you? Do you are you going to swing into the tree and smack it? Or are you going to are you going to slam you into your climbing stick and you know possibly get injured that way? And then you also have to deal with self recovery. Right. So the safety harness is is a great thing, and everybody that hunts from a tree stand should wear one. But it presents you know a whole host of other things that you have to worry about. With a saddle, on the other hand it prevents the fall from ever even happening. So it's the, it's the difference in catching a fall and preventing a fall. When you are hooked up in your saddle properly with your tether, you can't fall. It's impossible. You can't come backwards. You can't slide out of it. You can't go to the side. You can't fall down. It's impossible. The worst mm-hmm. thing that can happen is you could slip off your little platform, uh, off of either a predator-style platform or a ring-of-step-style platform. Either way, doesn't really matter. Uh, the worst thing that could happen is you could slip and then the tether would immediately catch you, and you would just kind of swing into the tree. Um, there's no falling. There's no shock. There's no none of that. There's no self-recovery. There's no worrying about hitting your sticks. None of that. It's Cause, just... Yeah, because the tether that you're connected to um, is constantly under tension, right? So there is no, like you said, there's constantly. no shock. Right, there's no shock to that. Yeah. You know, unless if you, you have, have, if you have slack in your tether you're doing it wrong right. and you are not, you're not maximizing safety and there's really no net, no need to ever introduce slack into your tether. It's just not the way that it works. Right. Right. Now, um, let's, let's go into uh, some of the terminology here with, uh, with, with this stuff. Um, for those that are brand, brand new, um, a, a saddle, uh, is basically just, I mean, it's, it's like a, I don't know. Is it? It's it's well the tether or the, the mantis rather is like it's a mesh 
um, you know, people have uh, kind of jokingly referred to as like what a hunting diaper, right? I mean, you you wear the thing and it kind of goes around. Yeah. And you know, um, and so tell me about you know the the strength of just the material of that and what you guys had to go through um, for for testing. Yeah. So imagine you know everybody's familiar with a rock climbing harness. Imagine the safety of a rock climbing harness that you strap around your your waist if you don't really have any idea what a hunting saddle is. Um, so it's, imagine a a, a rock climbing harness with a sewn in mesh seat for comfort. So now you've got all the strength and the support of a rock climbing harness with the comfort of a nice mesh seat. Uh, it's all, uh, uh, the Manus is made of 6,000 pound rated mil spec materials. Um, you could hang a Jeep from this thing. The rope that we use is 6,000 pounds, uh, tensile strength rated. We, uh, we put our product through um, the TMA testing. We're not TMA certified because some of the rules that the TMA, the Tree Stand Manufacturing Association, they make you sell a safety harness with your, um, with your um, product to be considered uh, for right. TMA approval, which, which includes shoulder straps and some other things that you have to do that our product doesn't have. So we went ahead and we did all the testing to uh, the TM, to TMA specs, and we passed all their performance testing, but we don't have the TMA certification because we don't meet all of the sales criteria that they require, which is fine. Um, but it's super heavy duty. You're never going to break this thing. It's you're going to buy one and you know probably never need another one for the rest of your life unless you lose it. That's pretty much right. the only way it's going to wear out on you. Yeah, can I interject with the the TMA thing um, for I, I don't know what what you can say you know you may not choose to say or whatever but um, for those that don't know if 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 you're kind of um, uh, shying away from something because it doesn't have this TMA uh, certification you know whatever uh, from my understanding just just from reading you know just in in general is that you know the, the TMA you know exists but I mean and it has these 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 testing. Um, protocols and stuff, but I mean, it, it it really doesn't guarantee the quality of a product. I mean, is that is that is that is that on the right track? Well, I'm a fan of the TMA. I like the TMA. I think they're they're necessary and a yes, you know, a good organization. They're they are there to support hunters. I mean, at the end of the day, the Tree Stand Manufacturing Association is there to ensure that people that are buying tree stands have. Um, are getting a product that's been properly tested and right. you know people are, are not just buying a bunch of crap and yeah so it's a good organization the only downfall with the tma uh, is with the product that, that we developed is that it doesn't fit neatly into the tma box because okay. it's not a tree stand so they have a set of performance standards that are uh it's, it's all public public knowledge you can look up the tma it's like you know, you have to drop so far with so much weight, mm -hmm. and you just have to meet. It's four or five tests that you have to do, and it's basically you drop a three hundred pound dummy from a certain a certain number of feet, and you know, and then you do strength testing on the piece of equipment, and if it passes, and those those are the TMA testings. Um, but then there's also some uh, some sales related pieces, like it has to come with a five point safety harness. Well. Our product is the safety <laughs> harness, so wouldn't it make sense to include a, an additional five-point safety harness? So it kind of disqualifies us right, right there from 
from doing it. So what we'd have to do is we'd have to engineer shoulder straps or something onto our product, which are unnecessary. Yeah. And uh, so, so that's why we don't, we're not doing it. Um, but, but the performance tests are really what, at the end of the day, of, is why the TMA is valuable because they protect hunters. Um, right. Because they say, hey, you can't sell a tree stand in a, in a sporting goods store unless that tree stand can hold at least 600 pounds or at least, you know, do all these drop tests that they do to verify. So the TMA is good. It just doesn't fit neatly with what we do. Right. It sounds like they need to, uh, you know, somehow revise, you know, their, their testing protocols for, for new styles of, of hunting, like, like saddle hunting, like you said, cause it doesn't really fit. And, you know, their tests I think are based on, you know, shock load in a drop, right? Like you were saying, like say X many pound person dropping X many feet, um, but you're not dropping in a saddle. You know what I mean? That's but right. if anybody's if you do, concerned you have about done something so incredibly wrong, and and yeah. and it's almost like you'd have to do it. You'd have to be trying to do that. You'd have to do it on purpose. <laughs> you'd have to like, jump up. You know, <laughs> it'd have to be one of the like one of those like, hey, hold my beer moments. Right. Right. Um, and there's, um, anybody listening, by the way, if you guys want to go check out the tethered YouTube channel, there is a ton of videos out there showing, um, the testing of, uh, I believe the mantis. And I, I know there's one for the rope where you actually like broke the carabiner before the, before the rope even broke. And the carabiner is rated for like what, 26 kilonewtons or something like that. I mean, this is like actual, like rock climbing grade, professional grade stuff, correct? Oh yeah, there's there's nothing in our system that's not uh, load rated and tested. I mean, yeah. everything that we're we're using is many many thousands of pounds. I mean, literally. So this isn't just a it's not just a, a cool analogy. You could literally hold a jeep with the mantis, a jeep, yep. a full up four door roll cage equipped jeep, and you wouldn't even stress this thing out. I mean, when we pulled it to failure the man is broke it's it's something like nine thousand pounds something crazy right and you're not going to generate anywhere near that kind of force you know even with a normal fall much less you know any fox you're not really going to fall but um okay well let's keep going with the terminology here for uh for for some of us newbies here we keep talking about uh, the actual tether so um uh what what exactly is a tether what is it made out of at least the one that you guys sell and uh, what can a guy use uh can a guy use some, something else so a tether is a really simple piece of equipment. All it is is a really strong rope. Your tether is what you tie around the tree, and then you clip it into your saddle. So guys that are used to a tree stand, safety harness, will use a tether too. You know, you get up there, and it may be a webbing strap, or some guys use a rope. Uh, but most folks in, I think, the safety harness will, for tree stands, they use a webbing strap. That's the same idea. You wrap it around the tree, and then you connect that rope to your safety harness. Same exact thing in a saddle. We just all use ropes. Uh, we put the the climbing grade rope, which I mean, five six thousand pound rope is pretty pretty standard in the industry. The one that the one that I use is rated at six thousand pounds, and it's a double braid uh, climbing rope. Uh, you pass it around the tree, connect it to your saddle with the climbing grade carabiner, which, like you said, I mean, this is rated at many thousands of pounds. It's the same equipment that you would go and climb down Everest with if you were a rock climber or a mountain climber. It's the same stuff. Um, it's all the same. That's your, that's your tether. That is your main safety line. That's the thing that holds you to the tree during your entire hunt. It's really the, the, uh, um, thing that's, that allows you to move around the tree and maneuver for a shot. Your tether is super important. Okay. So then let's move around. Let's move up to, um, what the tether is connected to, 
which is your bridge. So let's talk about the bridge and actually the, the connection mechanism or mechanisms that connects your bridge to the tether. Yeah, so to connect your to connect your tether to your saddle, your hunting saddle, you use a, a bridge. Now the bridge is important. It's a piece of material that goes from one hip to the other, and that allows you to pivot back and forth in the saddle so you can maneuver for shots. Now the one that I like to use is uh, a bridge made out of Amsteel Blue, which is uh, a, a real tiny uh, rope made of Dyneema fibers, um, and it's ultra light, ultra small, no bulk whatsoever, um, and it's mega strong. It's like 8,000 pound rope. Um, it's one of the strongest, I think Dyneema is pound for pound, I think it's like the strongest fiber on earth. Uh, I think it's even stronger than Kevlar. Wow. Uh, so it's just super crazy strong rope. That's what we use. That's what I like because, like I said, it's the most ultralight and the least bulky option there is. There's lots of other things that you can use for a bridge. You can use the same rope that you have in your tether, a mm-hmm. climbing rated rope. You could use that. There's lots of ropes out there that would work. Any sort of arborist or rock climbing rope that is rated to you know many thousands of pounds and that 5,000 pound range you could use that for a bridge. It would be totally fine. You could use a climbing rated webbing for a bridge. Anything that's super strong and relatively small, um, it would work well for a bridge. Now, when we talk about ropes in general, just as a side tangent here, I wanted to get into this too. Um, there's lots of terminology with ropes. We've got static, we got dynamic, we've got you know rope versus cord. Um, for a new guy, I mean, what 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 do some of these things mean, and what should I be looking out for? Because obviously, you don't want to be buying this stuff at the you know the rope department at Home Depot, right? I mean, you want to get it online through through um, you know climbing uh, you know retailers or REI or something like that. But just just to kind of cover you know the not even the thirty thousand foot view, but I mean, what are what are some of the differences in in, in these ropes? Well, you you do you did kind of hit the nail on the head there. You don't want to be going down to Walmart or your local hardware store and just picking up a rope on off the shelf. You want to be using something that's climbing rated, and I like to use a minimum of five thousand pound rope. So you're looking for something that's been tested, um, that has a, a CE stamp or or you know some sort of um, some sort of certification that this thing has been tested and it's coming from a reputable place because your your life is literally hanging from this thing so it's got to be good quality stuff and uh yeah so the difference in static and dynamic that's really a rock climbing term the dynamic rope just stretches uh has got a little bit of a stretch to it and a static rope doesn't really stretch i prefer a static rope but the way that we use it um since our loads are pretty much static at all times you really wouldn't be able to notice the difference between a static and a dynamic rope in in the scenario that, that you would use in a saddle hunt. Right, um, so like a, a dynamic rope would be maybe used as a tether if you were using um, a, a traditional tree stand so that um, like if you fell from that, that has a little bit of give for to absorb some right. of the shock, correct? But we're not falling from a tree stand, so it really doesn't matter. Now, does it does it stretch over time or, or does that even not even matter? Nope, it won't stretch over time. I mean, now it might, it might stretch a tiny amount over time, but... No, it, 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 it won't matter whatsoever. Okay. So what, what is a cord then? I keep seeing accessory cord. What, what is that? So really, your, your difference in accessory cord and, and a climbing rope is really just strength and size. Once you get really small, you know, down below, 
like a seven, eight millimeter range. Um, and, and then they're going to start calling those cords as opposed to once you're in that okay. eight to 10 or 11 meter range, they're going to call those ropes. Now the one that we use and most people use are somewhere between a, uh, eight to 11 millimeter is pretty standard. Yeah. And then, you know, like six to seven, that's kind of more of your accessory cords and they're just not rated uh, for as, as much, as much weight. You know, your cords are generally going to be in like the two to 3000 pound range and your ropes, your, your larger diameter ropes are going to be in that, you know, four to 7,000 range. I got you. Yeah. So for my, um, for my lineman's belt that I lineman's belt that I built, I used, uh, I think it's PMI uh, 11 millimeter, I believe I used on that one. And, um, yeah. you know, for my, uh, I've got the, um, uh, the rope modifications done to the, uh, the, the Hawk helium sticks. So that I used eight mil, I believe. And I used that so that I can actually use it as a Prusik knot, Prusik knot two before I bought the rope men one, which we can get into later. But, um, so that's okay so that that that's basically size size and weight rating basically rope and cord right i mean there's nothing there's no construction difference really well there could be i mean it, it depends i mean a lot of the ropes are are dual core so they'll have an inner core where it's doing all the heavy lifting yeah. um and then they'll have an outer core which is more of a sheath that is more protection so you think about like 550 cord paracord yeah. You know, you've got the outer sheath of that that is is really protection, and then all those inner strands and 550 cord is really what's doing all the Ah, the, the strength. So that's really the difference. So a lot of times the cord may not have that inner core; it'll just be a one solid rope. Uh, But most of your most of your climbing ropes are all going to be a double braid, which means they have a sheath on the outside and then that inner core that's really strong. And the sheath's job is to protect that inner core. Huh, I, I did not know that. That's that's pretty cool. Um, okay, so we got the rope stuff out of the way. How do we connect our bridge to the tether? So you're going to use a carabiner, a climbing carabiner, climbing rated carabiner, and then you mentioned it earlier. You're either going to use a Prusik knot, which is a small diameter cord, generally, like you said, like a 7 or 8 millimeter cord, uh, and then that's going to connect to your carabiner, which connects to your bridge. It could all get kind of confusing, so I'm glad you pulled up that, uh, or I'm glad you, you talked about the YouTube uh, channel earlier. So there's lots of YouTube videos on there about that. If you just search saddle hunting or G2 outdoors, which is my channel, you'll find, you'll find some information on, on all this stuff about rope mans, which is basically a mechanical prusik. The way in which we use it, it kind of acts like a mechanical prusik or a prusik cord, which is, it's, it's, it's a very simple piece of equipment. It's just a loop of rope that you wrap around your tether, and it's a, basically a friction hitch that allows you to position yourself where you want to be on the tether. Yeah, if, if people have never seen a, a Prusik in action, um, I mean, you can, like I said, you can look at your channels, you can look at a uh, hundred other, uh, you know, um, videos, not, not videos, and it's really, really cool. Basically, like, you can, um, w- with it unloaded, it, it's basically a smaller rope that wraps around a bigger rope, and there should be a, uh, a size difference between them, right? They say like 70%, something like that, 70, 80%. Yep, exactly. You know, so like I said, with my lineman's belt, I've got an 8-millimeter rope with a 11-millimeter uh, rope with an 8-millimeter um, uh, rope for uh, the Prusik. And you can actually take this and push it up and down if you grab it. You know, you, gra- you grab the actual Prusik knot, and you can move it up and down, you know, the tether or the line or whatever you happen to be using. But when you actually um apply like sudden um uh, pressure 
to the, the well, it's tough to describe, to, to the looped part, then it immediately b bites the rope. I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, you, you got to try it a few times to kind of trust it, you know. But I mean, it's yep. it's 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 literally like rock solid. I mean, and and it sometimes depending on how how many loops you actually put into the to Prusik to make it, um, it uh, can be actually like hard to move up and down. Which I think is why a lot of guys use a device called the Rope Man One Ascender. Yep. Now, um, again, you can look online and look this thing up. But basically, this has um, it's a little tiny, super lightweight device that goes on. Uh, you know, the, it's hooked to a carabiner, a carabiner's hooked to it, and then the the tether or whatever, you know, bigger rope they happen to, you know, to want to hook to uh, feeds through it, and it's like one-way teeth on it, and they're kind of like, you know, not sharp teeth, but, you know, you, you, can, you can pull it one-handed and then let go, and it immediately uh, locks there. Whereas with a Prusik, you need two hands to kind of take the pressure off the knot, which is, I guess, if, if it appeases, you know, um, the, the safety, you know, conscious, you know, person or whatever, that it works almost too good, you know, like it's the, that, that um, Prusik isn't going to slip unless you physically like make it move, uh, you know, unloaded kind of thing. But um, the Ropeman 1 is really, really cool idea. I've been using it on my lineman's belt, but um, you said you can also use it as a connection from your bridge to your tether, correct? Yeah, it's less important on your tether. Um, I use one on my tether, but you adjust your tether much less frequently than you do your lineman belt. Like when I'm climbing a tree, I'm constantly using my lineman belt tighter yeah. and looser. I mean, just constantly. So the, the Ropeman 1 makes a a huge difference there on your lineman belt, but and on your tether, you know, it helps as well. But I think a Prusik knot um, is is more than sufficient on your tether. And I think it's also important to point out that none of this stuff is is new. Uh, the, the 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 big climbing rated ropes, the Prusik knots, none of this stuff was invented by saddle hunters. It's just been adapted right. by saddle hunters to be used in this for this more more lightweight, more efficient style of hunting. I mean, arborists and mountain climbers and all sorts of rock climbers and people doing uh, outdoor activities have been using these ropes and these crucifix and all this these types of things for years and years and years and years. So it's nothing new. It's nothing that is is weird or or strange it's very common it's just not been that common in the hunting industry yeah um and i think since there's been it seems like there's been this explosion in saddle hunting um you know in the last what would you say a couple couple three years i mean it's really really taken off as far as interest yeah, in it's, it, really, you know? it's really been in the last really the last 24 months yeah yeah it's it's, it's crazy it's it's kind of a little bit akin to um you know the the on the archery side like the traditional bow you know um the last i'm gonna say four or five years there's been a huge ramp up of, of influx of interest in traditional archery you know so it's kind of the same thing which is kind of one, one of the reasons i wanted to do this podcast is uh this may be kind of elementary some of the stuff that we're talking about but just you know i'm new to the saddle hunter forum i'm new to the the facebook group and every day I see, you know, people asking kind of similar questions. And I had a bunch of these questions as far as, like I said, the terminology of some of these things. And I'm like, man, you know, there's really not one resource that kind of addresses, you know, like I said, rope versus cord. I mean, that may be simple for somebody that's been doing this forever, but, you know, a, a guy, 
you know, may not know where to go and, and what to ask for specifically, you know, like what is Amsteel? Well, you know, Amsteel is just, you know, like you said, it's a, it, it's a brand, correct? I mean, it's a brand of rope that's made in a, in a very particular way. That's right. Amsteel yeah. is a, is a brand just like a Kleenex is a, is a tissue. Right. Um, it's, it's Amsteel has kind of become a catch-all phrase for, um, braided, uh, a single braid, or, or strand braid Dyneema rope. Yeah. Um, Dyneema, or it's it's actually more complicated than that, that now, but yeah, Dy- Dyneema, like I said, is super strong, and Amsteel is just a company that makes uh, a braided Dyneema rope. Now, the tether um, that comes with the Mantis, it's only like quarter inch, right? Is that, or not the tether, the bridge, right? Is that quarter inch Amsteel? Is that what it is? Or Yeah, it's, it's quarter inch Amsteel blue, and it's rated at uh, I want to say the average breaking strength is around seven or eight thousand pounds. Yeah, I mean, and the guy looks at that pictures of it. They're like, "Man, that thing's tiny." You know, I mean, it looks like a little bit of you know paracord, like holding my holding my ass and you know twenty feet out. Can I trust it? You know, and I think you really got to dig into this stuff. Like, no, no, no. This is this is this is what it's for. It's industrial strength stuff. You know, that you. Well, we to... haven't been able to break it yet. Yeah. Um Well. It's every time every we've tested it a lot, and every time we've we've pulled on our system, either the carabiner or the webbing has broken before the am steel. And uh, it's funny that there were there were some critics of us when we used am steel. Ah, oh, it's not strong. It's gonna break. People are gonna get hurt. And am steel is actually the strongest part of the whole system. The webbing, uh, which is six thousand pound webbing. Um, it's broken before the Amsteel, and the climbing rated aluminum carabiners, they've broken before the Amsteel. It's just like that stuff is so incredibly strong. Yeah, I remember watching that video. That was pretty, uh, that was, that was pretty eye-opening for, uh, for that. So um, for a guy that um, looks at that ascender unit, going back to the Ropeman 1, um, you know, it's a mechanical device. So, I mean, your suggestion is, you know, you can use it, but you don't, I mean, a Prusik is just fine if they want to trust a rope better, right? Because even though it's a mechanical device, I mean, mechanical devices can fail, right? Air quotes. Absolutely. Um, well, and and technically, that's it's using the rope men. Um, it's just it's just different than it was maybe intended to be used as right. an ascender. Because uh, so we always you know you want to caution people when they're using something. Uh, in a little different manner. Um, that you just want to know your gear, and that's why I always say that you should practice at the ground a whole bunch before you would ever climb a tree. You know, you want to know that stuff inside and out, exactly how it works, uh, before you go and get put yourself in a dangerous situation. Yeah, the the, the stress that you're going to put on it, let's say in a lineman's belt, the way I use it now, um, isn't near the stress uh, that it's going to have when you're hanging your entire weight off of it when it's connecting exactly. to, you know, when it's connecting to that. So, um, I, I think, you know, a lot of people use it and you'll get, you know, you'll get the responses of, you know, Hey, you just got to learn to trust it, whatever, but no one will ever say, Hey, this is the only thing you should use, which is, which is very, um, what I found anyway in, in the saddle hunting community. And they're like, Hey, use whatever, you know, you think is going to make you feel, you know, feel secure because confidence is everything. And if you don't feel, yep. you know, um, you want to use that, then that's fine. Um, I want to move on to actually. I want to come back. I, I want to talk about a couple of things. I want to talk about some a couple knots 
um, and some terminology and knots that, that, that come up. And I also want to come up to um, potential like backup systems. Okay, for those of us new that are still kind of like timid about like, man, I'm hanging off of one rope, you know, uh, kind of thing. So let's talk about knots first. Um, how many knots does a guy really need need to be proficient in to, uh, to, to you know, to, to saddle hunt safely? Well, you don't really need to know any. I uh, We made it a point when we launched Tether to make it as idiot-proof as possible because I know that when you're coming in from the tr traditional tree stand world and you're coming into a saddle setup, it's already a little bit, uh, I guess, scarier because yeah. it's very foreign. And so we wanted to make it, like I said, as idiot-proof as possible. So that's why we splice our tethers. That's why we do everything ahead of time so that the hunter really doesn't have to know anything. Now, if you don't want to buy a rope from Tethered because uh, you want to do something different, that's totally fine, but you would have to you know, either pay someone to splice the rope for you professionally or you would have to know some knots. And the knot that most guys go, go to, their, their go-to knot is the uh, figure eight on a bike, okay. um, um, which is a very popular knot in the rock climbing world. It's... Uh, it's, you know, people trust their lives to that knot every single day. So if you're going to learn a knot, you need to learn that figure eight knot. Um, and really the, the prussic knot, which is not really a knot, but it, it's referred to as a knot. It's, right. it's more of a friction hitch. To, to, to be technically accurate, it's a friction hitch. Um, but, yeah, you, you need to know the, the prussic knot, and you need to know that figure eight on bite. So really, you can learn either of those. They're both really, really simple knots to tie. Uh, you could learn them in 10 minutes on YouTube. Now, I want to come back to what you said about splicing. Can you, like, really kind of quickly go over what splicing is and why it's better than a knot? So the reason we chose to go with splices as opposed to knots, uh, even though it's a little bit more expensive, is because at the end of the day, it's stronger and it's less bulky and it's less weight. So imagine, um, you know, you've got, this, this rope and you've got to tie this fairly bulky figure eight knot in order to be safe. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to add extra weight. You're going to add extra bulk. If you can, if you can professionally splice that rope, now all of a sudden you've reduced that extra foot or two of rope, which saves you a little bit of weight, Minimum, but more importantly, yeah. it saves you that bulk. Um, the other reason we went with splices is it retains more strength. So any rope, uh, that you tie a knot in, uh, depending on who you ask and depending on what the rope is, you're going to lose somewhere between 30 to 50, as high as 50% of your rope strength. So now all of a sudden that 5,000-pound rope, now the, the effective strength is 2,500 pounds once you knot it up. With a splice, you don't lose quite as much. You generally retain 80 to 90% of the strength of the rope when you do a splice. That's, so, that's amazing. It, I've, I've it, watched a couple of videos on, on splicing, you know, because I, I wasn't sure what it was. And it's it's so hard for someone to wrap their head around, like, no, this is actually stronger, you know, because you're taking strands and you're taking uh, – it's tough to describe. you got to go watch it. But, um, it, but yep. you, what you said about the bulk, too, about that figure eight knot, let's say. I mean, it's minimum of, like, two feet. I've tried, you know, you know making them here, and I was making my own um, – you know, just playing around with the ropes that I had. 
and you're right this thing is it's you got this big like literally like this knot you know at, at the end and, it, and it, it's heavier it's more it's, it's bulkier and then you know you got to think about like okay how how compact can i make this into my backpack or however i'm going to carry this thing in and i look at your uh your, your tether which i also ordered when i ordered the um the mantis and it's it, it seems so much uh simpler and lighter and, and less bulky you know well that's that's the beauty of of a company like like tether because tether was born from the saddle hunting community and it was a bunch of us saddle nerds that got together and decided to build the ultimate equipment and we we all hated knots so because <laughs> they were bulky and a little bit heavier and so we figured out a way to do it better yeah. and it's not like we invented splicing rope we just decided to use it for the system because it was a much better system yeah. and sure it's a little bit more expensive but i mean if you're gonna if you're gonna buy a system if you're gonna buy into a system whether you buy tether or whatever, which your goal is to reduce your weight and reduce your bulk, right? That's why most guys transfer from a, a, sa- a tree stand to a saddle because yeah. they want to get more efficient. They want to get lighter. They want to get rid of the heavy stuff. Why not keep going and do that with every piece of gear that you carry into the woods for your ropes? Splice yeah. them. It's, it's smaller. It's lighter. It's actually stronger. Yeah. So that's the kind of things that, that we're thinking about and, and the reasons why you know tethered is such a cool company is because we think about this stuff from daylight to dark every single day yeah if anyone's got any concerns over like i said like this stuff isn't new you're just applying it to this so if anyone's got any concerns about any of this stuff go go watch a couple like you know go on a couple rock climbing or, or arborist uh you know sites or or uh you know watch some of their videos i mean this is this is this this is the stuff that they're using you know which is you know, I don't know how much more, you know, you know, verification you can get about something other than just, you know, hang, hanging your butt from a tree and, and trusting it, you know what I mean? And doing it for yourself. But, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of cool. Um, one, one other thing that you said was, um, you said figure eight on a bite. Now I looked up what a bite meant, but for those that don't know, what does it mean when a knot is like such and such on a bite? What does that mean? And that's how you get that little loop that you can attach your carabiner to. If you don't tie it on a bite, then you won't be able to uh, clip in your carabiner. Okay, so it's essentially like you start your knot with the rope doubled over, right? With, or, that's or right. Part of the part of the end of the rope doubled over into a loop, and then you, when you start doing your knot, you you do both strands in your hands, if that makes sense, right? And then and then you finish that way. Is that is that right? You're exactly right. Okay, so that's just that. That's all. That's all that means. See, I told you. All I got to do is ask the right guy, and it's simple, simple answers. But you read that's some right. of this stuff, and it's like, man, you know, stop or not this and whatever. Oh, stop or not. Let's talk about a stop or not. What is a stop or not, and what is it for? It's 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 pretty important. Yep, stop or not, super important. You want to tie that in the end of your lineman belt and in your tether, and what that does is, you know, in the case of. Uh, you know, user error generally, um, it's kind of difficult to have a mechanical failure but of, of, a, of a prusik knot or something like that. But the stopper knot is kind of a fail-safe, so your prusik knot or your rope man can't slide all the way down off your rope. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've actually seen people when I was when I've been teaching them how to use it uh, in, you know, on the ground in a safe spot, and they'll grab that prusik knot and, and they'll pull on it and they, they never understood how it worked, and that whole tether will slide on them. Or with the rope man, they'll pull the, the side release on the rope man and have the whole weight on it, not realizing mm-hmm. that 
you know, it's going to go until you let go. And if they fail to let go, that stop or not is what's going to save them. So, yeah, so t- stop or not is is kind of exactly what it sounds like. It's just a little knot at the end of your rope that stops it from coming all the way through. Yeah, I think the human tendency whenever something slip, or whatever, whenever you slip or you're falling is to grab something, right? And if you grab yeah. that Prusik or grab, you know, that um, rope man the wrong way, well, you're you're – you're you're un, you're unloading it, you know, potentially. Like That's the best right. thing to do is like let go, you know, let the thing do its job. But it's so like, counterintuitive to uh, human, you know, self preservation that people tend tend to grab things, you know, and that uh, I haven't seen it yeah, happen. And but I can see it. You don't want to be learning these things twenty feet up in right. November, and when you're hunting, you want to spend a couple of a couple of sessions in the backyard or you know down in the woods in a safe spot on the ground and go through all these scenarios, moving around the tree, you know, tightening and loosening your tether, using your Prusik knot or your rope man, using your line. You want to use all that stuff in a safe environment on the ground until you are really comfortable with it. Now, it's not that complicated. It, it really isn't. It, it is when you're thinking about it or talking about it when you don't have it in your hand. Mm-hmm. But once you get it and you start figuring it out and playing with it, you realize that it's actually a pretty simple system. At the end of the day, it's just a couple of ropes and some straps. It's not a terribly complicated system. But, you know, the, one of the downsides with the tree stand is very few guys go and set up their tree stand on the ground and practice with it. You know, they go right. and they climb a tree and they hang it. It's just not the best way to do it. Yeah. Um, you said something about um, testing this in, like, November. Now, I live in the frozen tundra. And um, there are questions that come up about, you know, whether ropes will slip or knots will slip if the rope is wet or if it's snowy or cold or damp or whatever. Uh, wh- what are the what are the concerns with that? I don't think it is a real concern. I mean, there are guys that, uh, I mean, we're headquartered in, in Jordan, Minnesota, right there near you. And we've got guys in Wisconsin and Dakotas and upstate New York and that have hunted with this stuff for years and years and years and have never had an issue. Uh, I was stationed at Fort Drum, New York for a few years before uh, the Army sent me down to Georgia. And uh, Fort Drum, New York is on the northeast tip of Lake Ontario, Mm. uh, about 20 miles south of the Canadian border. So it got frigidly cold, you know, 20, 30 below zero. (laughs) Right? What was that? You broke up. Oh, sorry. I said in, in lake effect, everything. Lake effect, snow and damp and all, you know, it's, it's. Oh, gosh. The lake effect was no joke there. <laughs> and I never once had an issue with any sort of uh, rope or, or my saddle malfunctioning due to, the, due to it being frozen. Okay. Okay. One last thing I want to talk about is um, backup any kind of backup system. Now, I I see this posed a lot. I've asked it too, and I've done a bunch of research. For somebody new that's still not trusting all of this, um, you know, because we look at it, and one of the arguments is, okay, if I'm in a tree stand, I haven't fallen yet, and if I do, I have a backup, right? I have my my vest or whatever. Um, With a saddle, you're hanging, and I mean, essentially, there, there's there's a bunch of systems that that you know would have to fail, but only one of those systems would have to fail for you to fall, right? Let's say, and we've already addressed like the strength, let's say, of the tether. Uh, it's it's the, the you know it's incredibly strong, and um, you know 
the, the bridge is incredibly strong. You've even done a, a video recently showing, you know, what if, uh, what if you accidentally nick it with a broadhead, you know, and the answer is nothing. You know, you'd have to, you'd have to like saw on that thing for, for it to break. But just for peace of mind, what are some good uh, backups uh, that we can, if we can employ in the tree that aren't going to be like a complete separate system, like a whole, which would defeat the purpose of, you know, the whole lightweight saddle thing, right? So without having to carry a second tether, a second uh, bridge, a second this, a second that, what, what, what do you think um, someone could do? Well, the beautiful part is that you've already got it with you. You're already carrying it. So if you're uh, incredibly safety conscious or you're afraid of heights or you're just really nervous about the system, don't ever unhook your lineman belt. Hunt with your lineman belt around the tree. Get up there, lock in your tether, and you know put all your weight into your tether, and then keep the lineman belt around the tree. That yeah. way, if something terrible happens, you still you're still connected with that lineman belt. Now, you might fall a little bit, right. but I mean, most most likely you're you're not going to hit the ground. So you could even use your lineman belt as a second tether. You could tie that around the tree below the main tether and hook that into your a different part of your saddle, or use another Prusik knot or another carabiner. You could double it up many different ways. Yeah. Um, and the beautiful part is, like I said, you don't have to carry anything extra. Now, most guys uh, are going to find that once they get comfortable with the system and they and they become proficient with it down at, at ground level in a safe environment, they're going to realize that it's kind of an unfounded fear. Mm-hmm. Um, I totally get, and I like the way that you phrased it, like it's kind of unnecessary, but, you know, what if? Right. Um, you're you're going to realize that it's really something that you don't have to take too terribly uh, seriously. Okay. Yeah, I, I thought of the lineman belt thing, too, and I think that's what a lot of people seem to suggest. And... Um... <clears throat> You know, I think the question is whether, you know, that dangling there kind of gets in your way or not, or how loose or tight you have to be. I guess you just got to play with it like anything else and find what's comfortable for you, you know. But, you got to um, play with it. And yeah. I've seen guys over the years that have done that that uh, were incredibly safety conscious and have, have left their lineman belt uh, hooked up the entire time. And, you know, I, I wouldn't do that, but if it works for you, you know, more power to you. Yeah, yeah, and and the beautiful part is, at least with the mantle, I'm not sure, maybe maybe on all saddles, is you know you've got the bridge connection, you got the bridge loops, they're sewn in, you know, left and right, but also you got separate loops that are that are sewn in for your lineman's belt. So if for some reason in your mind you think like the stitching may come undone or something may you know break or whatever, um, and I'm not implying that it will, but again, the newbie, the way newbies sure. think, you know. Um, you know, your lineman belt is connected to two separate loops than what your bridge is. You know what I mean? So I think to me, that's kind of the way I'm, I'm, I'm going to approach it, you know, when, when I start practicing with the thing. So I think that's, that's kind of what I'm going to do. So, yeah, I think that's a smart, that's a smart strategy, you know, get really comfortable with it and keep in your, your double safety while you're learning the system until you feel a hundred percent confident. You know, another thing that I always tell people is, you should always, always, always have at least one of those methods connected to the tree. From the time you take your first step off the, off the ground, you should have your lineman belt around the tree, and your lineman belt does not come off until your tether is uh, successfully attached to the tree and to your saddle. So you're always connected to the tree. Now, can you use your tether as a second lineman's belt, or at least um, not a lineman's belt, but let's say you're going, let's say you're going around a limb, right? Um, what do you, is it kind of like climbing in a regular tree stand? Cause that's what I would do, you know, in a regular tree stand, I would, you know, 
connect my tether, let's say, for my for my safety vest above the limb, disconnect my lineman's belt, reconnect it, and then keep going, kind of thing. Is that what you do um, with a saddle? Yep. So same yep, deal. You've already got it there. So you've yeah. got your your lineman belt below the limb. You take your tether off and or take your tether out of your pouch or your pack or wherever it is you like to store it. Attach to the tree. Hook that to your saddle. Now you can you know safely maneuver around the limb. Keep cool. Taking. Cool. Awesome. Well, I think I've, I've taken enough for your time, man. I really appreciate it. There's there's a thousand other questions I could ask, but I think I think you've answered a lot of those in other podcasts. Like, you know, how is it to shoot out of, and how is it to shoot a you know traditional bow out of, you know. There's there's videos out there, guys, and it seems to be like you know once you get actually comfortable with being up there. Again, I have not done it. Um, you, you a lot of guys say they actually have more stability and upper upper torso stability to keep that proper form than they do with a tree stand. So I think uh, I think it's going to be like a win win all around. I can't wait for for mine to show up. I'm not even going to hassle you about where I am in the queue. I'm just going to sit patiently and wait. <laughs> I know I know it'll be a while. People ask every day, and I'm like, you're not getting anywhere. <laughs> just just sit patiently. Yeah, we're so. making a lot of progress. We just brought in a full time guy. He's got like 30 years experience in managing textile manufacturing. So he's on board and he's helping out and making, making big moves for us. So, I mean, I think we just didn't expect it to resonate with, with hunters the way that it did. We were yeah. totally unprepared for the, the, the amount of people that came out and supported us. So that's why the line is there, but we're definitely doing everything in our power to knock that line down as quickly as possible. Yeah. And I appreciate that you guys aren't, you know, rushing stuff through in order to meet demand because I mean, this is, I mean, it's people's lives on the line, you know, and uh, you seem to have a quality product from what everyone's reviews are of it. And, you know, I'm glad you're not sacrificing quality for, Hey, let's just get in, you know, sell a bunch more. You know, I think people are just, that's right. And we went down a few weeks ago down to our, our, our testing lab and, um, you know, because we got a new manufacturer online and we wanted to make sure everything was right. So we, right. we took a pause and went down and tested everything and made sure it was still met all the safety standards before, you know, we started cranking them out. So, yeah, man, it's definitely um, it's definitely a learning curve for us. Like I said, I'm a I'm an Army guy and my partner Ernie, he's an engineer. And so we're, we're learning our way through this, but it's certainly, uh, certainly a fun experience. Well, I, I appreciate the entrepreneurial spirit in that too. So, you know, kind of, you know, I mean, you and anybody else in this, uh, um, you know, it, you know, getting into, into this or saddle hunting or, or hunting in general or anything like that. I, I like, I like supporting that and seeing that. So, um, all right. Why don't you, uh, tell everybody if they don't know already and living in a cave, uh, where, uh, they can find you and find your products and all that. And then uh, afterwards, just stay on the line with me, and then we'll we'll say goodbye. Awesome. Yeah, um, so Tethered Nation is where you can find uh, the products uh, for, for saddle hunting. If, if you want to look at um, the, the Predator platform or the Mana Saddle, that's all, all done through Tethered. And then if you want to learn more about saddle hunting, you're not sure you're ready to jump in, check out my YouTube channel, G2 Outdoors. I've got videos on tethers and bridges and prusiks and rope mans and platforms and everything you could possibly imagine that has to do with saddle hunting. I probably have a video on it that shows it in great detail. So G2 Outdoors is a really great resource for anybody looking to get into saddles. Cool, man. Well, again, I appreciate it. You you got uh, kids to get to bed. I've got a kid to get to bed. So uh, I appreciate you. Uh... You, you hanging out with me tonight and you answered a lot of questions that I think newbies have, or at least I hope they have. So I hope this was, uh, 
useful. So um, if you guys want to check out any of uh, my stuff, go ahead. It's all it's all bow hunting soul. So on Facebook, Facebook group. I actually just started a um, a saddle hunter uh, Minnesota group. Actually, we've got a whopping seven members, I think. But uh, I'm gonna try and start adding stuff into there. And then um, the YouTube channel, and uh, I think even got I'm writing a blog too. Anyway, bow hunting soul. You'll find all that stuff. So I appreciate you guys uh, tuning in, and I will talk to you guys next week. Thanks.